We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Time to discuss NFL Week 5, all the exciting happenings, some of the disappointments, and much more. That's what we're talking about on today's Road of His Overtime. We had lots of high-scoring games again this week. Sean, the biggest thing I've been enthusiastic about or positive about through these opening five weeks. Week 1 was a little touch and go, but Week 2 through Week 5, we are getting points put up. We are seeing some offensive innovation come into play. We'll be talking about the Detroit Lions in a moment. I was showing Sean before we kicked off here one of the plays that we might touch on just briefly when we're going through but the Lions showing some innovation we're seeing <laughs> Sean we don't need to say it anymore the the Miami Dolphins are a very innovative offense they are innovating and uh, you know we have teams like the 49ers who are going to touch on you know they're just getting there and I guess in that game they didn't get all their playmakers in positions but they didn't need to because they uh, ran up the score pretty simple in that one so looking forward to talking through some of Sean's thoughts here on today's show but NFL week five I was joking as well before we started it's gonna be a very good week results wise for me but it looks like me and Sean are going to or in fact we have not won this week in our main event team so that does affect some of my positivity on a, a Monday morning as I get through the day but as we record this one it is starting to get towards the evening time here in Ireland so Sean's going to bring all the positivity into today's show to uh, get everything back on track for the rest of the week but hopefully our listeners, the Road of His Overtime community, will have a, has had a successful week. Obviously, the first week of buys here in NFL Week 5. There is some players in there, too, that haven't hit, but we had some monster weeks this week, Sean. How are you feeling five weeks in? Has to be some enthusiasm, excitement there for, for some of the points on the board. Yeah, I mean, this was a great week. And as you mentioned, it's disappointing for us to lose our main event. We had Brandon Ayuk, we had CeeDee Lee, and we were going against... DJ Moore, you needed those specific outcomes to be slightly different. You had floated the idea of going with Jared Goff. That turned out it would have been the way to go. I was a little bit nervous about not having Amon Ra and with David Montgomery just seeming to score a touchdown. It wouldn't have put us over, but I mean, I sat there through the whole wave of games. The only real negative thing that happened on sunday was that as i was watching these games i was like oh i let column down by not going with his quarterback suggestion it did cost us 10 points we went with matthew stafford he looked good 
But Jared Goff, I mean, the Carolina Panthers are not putting up much of a fight on defense. But Sam Laporta, Jared Goff, they look good. Let's get into that. 42 24 to the Detroit Lions against the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers now 0 5. They are having some issues. They're working through it with the young quarterback. There's some concerns there. He throws two interceptions in this game. And some of those, you know, are very much on him as the, the quarterback here. But he does throw for three touchdowns. Sean throws 41 times. So there's some positives there, but uh, some concerns very much so with, with Bryce Young here as we move forward. I have to give a shout out, Sean, to one of the Carolina Panthers in this one, Adam Thielen, 13 targets going the way of Thielen, 11 for 107 and one. We mentioned him last week. He's getting there again. DJ Chark gets in the end zone. We're seeing a lot of those veterans over in Carolina be fantasy producers, but Adam Thielen has been fun player to, uh, you know, check up on, on a weekly basis here over the last couple of weeks with the Lions, Sean, are the ones that we want to talk about. You mentioned Goff, very, very efficient, uh, 20 of 28. Well, maybe not that efficient when there's eight incompletions, but two, 236 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Kind of got the job done there, 28 to zero up at halftime. They do add an additional uh, 14 points in the fourth quarter. They really cruise through this one, and, and they're four and one now on the season, Sean. They obviously bet the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. They've been a fun story. They had hard knocks. You know, there's a lot of kind of publicity has been behind them over the last kind of two seasons, but a lot of fun. But Sean, the big talking point here, we have to say. David Montgomery, I guess, not the big talking point, 109 yards, one touchdown, but Sam Laporta, just four targets, just three receptions, 47 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, You want more, but in this particular game with the game script that they were in where they really didn't have to continue to play, this was a, a fantastic out from him and a situation where there was no Amon Ross St. Brown either. Well, you have to love the fact that they get him a schemed short yardage touchdown. Loved it. I mean, Loved so it. many of those have gone to the running back mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. And so you definitely, especially I, I if you don't you have that goal line back. I thought you were going to say a couple of weeks and I was going to. No, it's, it's a couple of years. Yeah. So you love to see that. But also... He gets involved and scores a touchdown on the trick play. That was one that Jamison Williams touched the ball on. Overall, Williams, not particularly impressive. He gets the three targets. Two of them are underneath the one that, you know, would have been a little bit more down the field. He does drop. And yet, his speed, you could already see how it was going to affect defenses when they have Amon Ra back. Uh, This team here is not that far behind the Eagles and the 49ers. And for all the talk about the Kansas City Chiefs, the Buffalo Bills who have the debacle in London, I mean, the two clear-cut best teams right now, and obviously I say this as a huge Chiefs fan, and with the Chiefs as the defending Super Bowl champions and 4-1 with their only loss to the Detroit Lions. But right now, Philadelphia and San Francisco are clearly the best teams. I think that you have a tier breakdown from them to the Chiefs, another tier breakdown below the Chiefs to the next best team after that. And yet, or, or you just argue that the Detroit Lions would be in there, that they would be in that group. So much fun to see Jerry Goff playing like this. One of the things that was also important here, if you have him in fantasy, and we have him a lot. We didn't necessarily have him deployed a lot this week because of some of the matchups, obviously going with Sam Howell against the Chicago Bears defense, you know, you're not going to play him ahead of Tua and that kind of thing. But the rushing touchdown for him as well, there aren't going to be a ton of those, but I mean, that play there really pushes his fantasy day over the top. When you consider that offenses 
have been more effective over the last three weeks. Anytime that you have some of these guys that are a little bit lower, they need to be able to compete to keep you in it. If you built your team in that fashion, and certainly if you built your team in that fashion, were able to hit on your early picks, then I mean, you almost have an extra guy in there. So someone like a Jared Goff scoring like this, that's extremely encouraging. It's one of the things that we've mentioned in terms of the Geno Smith teams, obviously the Seahawks on the bye this week, but we need him to come back and score like that. Again, if you're going to be able to consistently compete with a Josh Allen who plays a terrible game, and yet because he is so incredibly dynamic, is still able to put up a massive fantasy score. And that's a little bit what you're looking for when you make those early QB picks is that even in games where things don't go well, they can still score points for you. That's not necessarily the case for the lesser players. But one of the things that we have witnessed is CJ Stroud, four really good weeks. They lose to the Falcons. You never want to lose to the Falcons. But again, I think that this week's performance from the Jaguars in London demonstrate that last week's performance from the Falcons may be not as bad as it looked at the time. But that's kind of wrapping back around to this game for Bryce Young, where, yes, he made a bunch of really bad throws and kind of puts his team out of the game. And so from a reality perspective, I mean, that's a huge concern for you. It's probably a little bit less of a concern for the Carolina Panthers because they're pointed a little bit more at 2024 anyway. Now, you don't want to come out with a rookie QB and just lose all of these games. It does unsettle your team it does take a great leadership i think that frank reich is a good coach i don't know that he's the kind of coach that dan campbell is for the lions where the lions had a lot of losses on the early going to the point where he might have been a week or two away from getting fired but the leadership from him i mean that team wasn't going to go in the tank not everybody can be him that doesn't mean that you're a bad head coach it just means that people have different personalities and different things that they bring to the table as the big advantages of having them there as the head I coach think there's probably a, there's a, a lot of better head coaches in the nfl but i don't know if there's any better you know motivator of man i guess we'll say i think that's where don campbell is is elite at the at this role i don't know i don't i mean there are going to be players a couple of big time well and it seemed like it was even like a caricature of a quote that was a caricature of something else but his quote about them being the hunted now but you know don't worry you don't have to come looking for them you open your door they're going to be on the doorstep you're like well i mean is it hard to understand why the players like playing for him <laughs> so i mean that dude is absolutely just fantastic he gets you fired up when you're sitting there on the couch watching you're like whatever you do you know if you have a sport that you play that's I'm not in. football or you have some like other activity that you like to be involved in you listen to dan campbell you're like i'm gonna go do that i'm gonna go do it really well for the next 15 minutes or like five hours one of the things as well i mentioned the play that we had been discussing before um they are putting even the the kind of trick play to sam laporta and we did see a, a touchdown to george kittle a couple of hours later in prime time exact same play that they ran we we see a, a snap where jared goff is under center and they basically snap it between his legs direct to david montgomery just a, an interesting wrinkle something that you don't really see we see direct snaps to running backs quite frequently but to do it in a different way and then to put that on tape where other teams have to prepare for it we may never see that play again we may see it uh, this upcoming week it's just uh, fun to see the way that that offense and that team in general has really bought in and i think you know the, there is a home road split for this team but they obviously got a win against the packers where they they all performed but i i think that when this team is at home they are a fantasy gold mine um, and i'm looking forward to seeing what that happens now when we hopefully we'll see amon ross 
Brown back in the lineup along with Laporta, along with the rest of the guys, and then you add Jamison Williams to that and maybe start to really put some additional pressure on these defenses. So fun times with the Detroit Lions. Yeah, you kind of wondered about that 49ers play where they're like, I mean, we set up to run this play against the elite Dallas defense all week, and the Lions already ran it. It's like now they're going to be ready. No, they, they weren't ready. But Colin, before we move on here, I did want to mention that Bryce Young, the big positive from a fantasy perspective, which is also you know a subtle positive from a reality perspective, but one of the things that has been troubling over the last year, year and a half, two years, is that a lot of the teams that are bad and fit in the have-nots category, not only have they been bad, but even in garbage time, they have not been effective and they've not been able to move the ball. And you think of teams like the New York Giants, for example, who can't do anything at any period of time. It's difficult for them to get garbage time value for Darren Waller. I mean, you think about the targets they were getting to Wondell Robinson, and yet, I mean, they were getting him lit up. It was interesting that he came back into that particular game yesterday. You don't want to be in a situation where the team doesn't function at any point in the game. And Bryce Young put up a lot of points for his guys here. He gets a touchdown to DJ Chark. You mentioned Adam Thielen and the massive points that he's putting up. I mean, that to me is maybe the most surprising result of the entire NFL season. It's surprising to see Nico Collins hit on his very highest ceiling outcome. Not as strong a game this week, but on, on the full season, I mean, Nico Collins obviously going to be a massive smash. It's incredible when you see Jamar Chase do what he did. Incredible when you see DJ Moore do what he did. And with DJ Moore, it's perhaps you know a little more surprising given the passing game there with the Chicago Bears. But, I mean, those things are exciting, but they're all very believable. What Adam Thielen is doing now, after having really been washed, it, it just it blows me away. Year. And it's, you know, <laughs> a huge congratulations to him because... I mean, 13 targets. He's open throughout. Catches 11 of them. I mean, a lot of them are underneath. He doesn't average 10 yards per catch. But it's not like these are, you know, Rondell Moore or Wondell Robinson type of targets either. I mean, they're not that. They're getting him the ball down the field. He gets the touchdown at the end of the game. And again, from a fantasy perspective, I mean, we don't have these guys. But if you do have some exposure here, I mean, you've got to love the fact that in a game that they lose 42-24 and just get absolutely annihilated, that Bryce Young is leading that final drive and throwing a touchdown pass to Adam Thielen, where, I mean, maybe you're playing both of them together in a best ball again. Those points are incredibly important to you. So seeing some teams flourish in garbage time, you know, that matters. And then, you know, there's a little bit of that contrast too, where there are some weaknesses to having the rookie QBs and how that's going to play out. But because all of these guys need to get some experience and you need to develop, they're not going to get pulled at the end of the games. Whereas you think about CeeDee Lamb, and Dak Prescott, I mean, you get blown out like that and you just you come out. You don't even get garbage time. And so that's a contrast that isn't going to be something that's necessarily consistent throughout the year. But on those occasions when it happens, and this probably won't be the last time. I mean, if you're a Dallas fan, you hope it's the last time they get crushed like that. But I mean, you're going to have these intermittent eruptions where garbage time really matters to a team like the Carolina Panthers. So from that perspective, I mean, Bryce Young, I think you got to be very encouraged. 
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it? Well, I know from personal experience and currently using the BetterHelp service that I put off starting therapy for many years until early 2023 when I started therapy with BetterHelp. And for a long, long time, I didn't know all the things that were holding me back subconsciously, consciously. But with my therapist, I've been able to come up with positive coping skills and being able to understand why I felt the way I did about certain things, certain situations, helping me to understand, accept, and enhance my life and my day-to-day experiences. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited for your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. I was matched with my therapist. We clicked straight away and we've got on fantastically. But if there's any reason you'd want to switch therapists, you can do so anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash rotoviz today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash rotoviz. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Moving on now, Sean, you did touch on it a little bit with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They stayed in London over the last week. They put up 25 points to the 20 off the Buffalo Bills. You mentioned Josh Allen has a pretty strong fantasy day with his two touchdowns, 359 yards, and a rushing touchdown to go with that. But this was a a tough performance from the Buffalo Bills. They looked all out of sorts throughout, but we do get big days for Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis, 8 for 1-2-1, and a touchdown for Diggs Davis six for 101 he does have a touchdown really light and this and on the very next play he scores a touchdown which was an interesting sequence of plays which on the big talking points I guess coming out of this is going to be the Jacksonville side of things so Trevor Lawrence passes 315 passing yards in this one but just the one touchdown hasn't really had the heights that people may have hoped he would have you know moving into his third season in the league wasn't somebody we were actively drafting this year as adp but somebody we liked in terms of his ascension um from year one to year two and hopefully to see the step forward on that but travis Etienne in this game 26 rush attempts 136 yards two touchdowns he also has four for 48 on five targets through the air uh, Etienne, there's there's some concerns with how they are you know the rushing play calls they are having for him but it's obviously working out this week but he has seen a double digit percent target share in four of five games this season so far he only done that in seven of the entire season last year 
I think that you know there was obviously the concerns with Bigsby coming into the season they are all at this particular point in time evaporated the other side of it then is Calvin Ridley and Christian Kirk Zay Jones does go out with a knee injury in this one we are seeing a situation where they both have been you know involved in this offense but it's been a case that it's been pretty even with the edge going towards Kirk if we take that week one kind of explosion for Calvin Ridley out of it but seven for one two two on eight targets for Ridley and we get six for 78 for Christian Kirk no touchdowns for them the touchdown to go to Zay Jones who I mentioned did pick up that injury we'll see how he is moving forward question Sean on on ETN um the usage and we've been so enthusiastic about the usage of the Dolphins and, and how they have used their running backs Devin Achain, for example another huge week 151 yards for him on 11 carries one touchdown looks fantastic but the way that they tend to use him is to realistically not run him up the center of the offensive line at any point they are taking him out to the edge on every single occasion whether that's him coming in a motion whether that's him coming out of the backfield we are seeing a lot with etn where there's a lot of like wasted plays it feels like i know we joked about it last week where they're running directly into a, a wall at that line of scrimmage but not as much of getting him on the edge and it's hard to be critical i guess know when it is such a huge game for him here but on those 26 carries there's a lot of those that you know it feels like they're just wasted plays as well etn looked fantastic though all around outside of those particular plays um so i guess my questions are your thoughts on etn and then rest of season outlook here who would you rather have christian kirk or calvin ridley etn is fascinating because he was a guy that we did compare to Jamal Charles, sort of in the same way that we compared HN to Chris Johnson, where the comparison is saying, I mean, there are. I think it's time now to start comparing Chris Johnson to to HN. Well, Chris Johnson's <laughs> historic season, HN still has a long way to go to get there, but I mean, he's getting there very quickly on a per play basis. He, he uh, second in rushing yards in the NFL, Sean. 37th in attempts you feel like that's good efficiency efficiency. it's pretty good efficiency i think pretty good the the the, any sort of scale that people are using for efficiency is is now broke Uh, just do do the results without etn in there to get an accurate result and so you look at that with etn and obviously he hasn't been the jamal charles and yet it's there right it feels like he could be what i'm kind of getting at is if if they were using him better he could be because as i was watching this game do the way the game is scheduled right when you have all of these fantasy responsibilities on sunday morning before the first wave of games you're taking care of all of that and you know kind of tracking that game in the background so i see all the numbers pop up and i'm really excited because etn is on a variety of our key teams he's on our team he's on the chasing stolen bananas team i have with ben and pat and pete Obviously, as someone we've been heavily promoting, he's also heavily on the teams. So you're excited about that. And then I go to watch the game later once the first wave has started. And I'm like, okay, well, first of all, in that two-minute drive before the half, they're getting him the ball in the passing game repeatedly. You're like, oh, yeah, that's better. He doesn't have to run in the line for that. Also, that's a lot of fantasy points. Let's do that more often. It shouldn't just be the two-minute drive at the end of the half. But you watch him and they do slam him into the line over and over and over. And, and over. It's, 
and over. And it's not a great situation either in terms of some of the short yardage elements. There is sort of a key carry in this game where they bring Tank Bigsby in for the short yardage. And you're like, yeah, I mean, ETN is not Don't necessarily get getting it done. Like, well, also, Tank Bigsby doesn't even get back to the line of scrimmage yeah. because they don't have it blocked up. And they have run a very vanilla play where the only way it would work is if your offensive line blows the defense a yard off the ball. So all of those elements are a little bit frustrating. You see that first touchdown run where you actually go to the edge. And you're like, oh, yeah. I mean, no one has the speed to get him to the edge. You see the final touchdown run where he actually does knife through the line on that one that's kind of what they want him to do and yet the contrast again between what the dolphins are doing and what the jaguars are doing it does give you some pause because you're not going to be able to break that long touchdown run every single time you're not going to always get that perfect two minute drill the 35 point game that etn puts up in this obviously regardless of how good you are if you're christian mccaffrey I mean, mccaffrey has a good game yesterday against a good defense and you know you don't get anywhere near those numbers you're not going to have that score every time but there are a lot of games where they don't create the context necessary to get those points out of a back who you know is one of the five best backs in the nfl and perhaps that was one of the reasons why he was falling in drafts anytime that you promote him as much as we promoted him knowing that the backup is also probably a decent player you have some nerves about that going into the season it is good to see that they understand just how good he is. And certainly the two touchdown runs in this particular game, along with the flexibility and the intuitiveness that he demonstrated on the receptions. I mean, he's not, as you mentioned, in any danger of losing touches to Bigsby. Although, I mean, you could certainly argue that they don't want him to have 30 touches in a game that often. He has 30 touches in this one. I mean, Colin, this is an interesting game because the Jaguars dominated from the initial kickoff all the way to the end. And yet there were a handful of plays in this game where if they simply execute those, they win by three touchdowns. This is a game where Trevor Lawrence takes five sacks. It's a game where he fumbles three times, losing two of them, including. And then both of those really changed the dynamic because of where the ball was on the field. This could have been a Jaguars blowout. When you mentioned them jumping out at the start, one other thing that I did like was they get that opening touchdown in the first quarter. They go for two points on that first. So it's 11 to zero at the end of the first quarter. Just thought it was interesting. Sometimes we see teams going for, you know, later in the game as they try and catch up. I think the Jaguars maybe come out here and thought that maybe they're going to have to put up a lot of points. They didn't have to put up as much points then to beat the Buffalo Bills, but I thought that was interesting starting off the game because I was kind of wondering then, is there an issue with the kicker? And then they kick a field goal before the end of that quarter. So it wasn't, wasn't that situation. But yeah, interesting uh, performance by the Jaguars. Hopefully, we continue to see the use of ETN. You mentioned the you know twenty six carries. I don't think we we want the we, we we'll add in you know a couple of extra targets. Take away seven of those carries. I think would be a, a much better use. One game, Sean, where there was a lot of ugly situations with the New Orleans Saints, New England Patriots. The Patriots now one and four, 34 to zip. Nothing happens here for the Patriots. Mac Jones is pulled out. I think it's fair to say that it. As a benching, he was 12 of 22 at the time. Billy Zappi comes in, 3 of 9. Things did not improve, Sean, at that particular point in the game. We do see Alvin Kamara, though, heavily featured as the, the running back, but we do also see Kendry Miller in there. Uh, 22 carries for Kamara, 12 for Miller, but 80 yards and a touchdown going the way of Kamara. We do get Miller as well, four targets, four receptions, 56 yards for him. Was concerns around Chris Olave. 
heading into this game with an ankle injury before the game he just has the five targets with two for 12 but he does get in the end zone to kind of salvage that day a little bit nothing here sean from the patriots and you know the carries are split between stevenson and, and elliot eight and eight but it's 24 and 21 rushing attempts and things are looking drastically bad i know we talked a little bit about a trade i did for stevenson on the last show of last week but things need to turn around here pretty quick for the new england patriots it's been a a really ugly start to the season but john ugly starts to the season it hasn't been that for the dallas cowboys they are three and two but it's hard to know who the real dallas cowboys are what they're they're a little bit of a, a jekyll and hyde team with their performances this season so far they kind of tend to be either getting blown out or blowing a team out this week they were in the blowing out variety at 42 points to 10 they lose this one Dak had a lot of struggles in this he has three interceptions we don't really see anything going the way on offense from any of the skill position players so prescott has been has not looked good so far this season in my opinion but somebody who has looked really good and the question i have coming out of this is how good is brock party just like in terms of you mentioned the rankings power rankings kind of for where teams would be in terms of the nfl from a team perspective brock party has since he came into this team just done everything he can possibly do to, to look great i'm seeing quotes here from dan arlovsky on, on twitter uh, before we start recording that if mac jones was in san francisco he would be playing like brock party so we just touched on mac jones and how things went yesterday for him but brock party in this particular contest very very efficient game 252 yards just throws it 24 times four touchdowns three of those going to george kettle who just has three receptions for 67 yards and the three touchdowns i guess a, a quieter offensive day as a whole for all the skill position players for san francisco as well because so much of the touchdown production goes the way of kittle but they just write the right the cowboys here a comfortable one there now five and oh on the season is brock party a game manager or is brock party an exceptionally high level quarterback loaded question yeah i mean this is one of those where you have to give credit to everybody involved and the contrast between what the 49ers have done and what the Patriots have done recently is so immense. And so with Mac Jones, you're dealing with different coordinators. You're dealing with the fact that I just, it's mind boggling to think that an NFL team could go out there and believe that Juju Smith-Schuster and Devontae Parker because they I mean they extended Devontae Parker right they just signed Juju to a contract that was similar to the one that Jacoby Myers signed leaving it's like if you can't self-evaluate to the point where you understand that Jacoby Myers is an above average player and that Juju Smith-Schuster is completely done in the NFL this is another game where he draws four targets gains six yards Number one, when you get blown out like this, your starting receivers in Devontae Parker and Juju Smith-Schuster have to be able to draw more than eight targets between them. But they also have to gain more than 26 yards off of that. Another thing in this, Sean, when we're on about just production, the New Orleans Saints have 319 total yards in this game. They do have a one defensive touchdown, but they put up 34 points. The, the, usually we talk about the Patriots, you know, having a, a defense that's capable of 
you know, doing stuff as well. But that was also non-existent here yesterday. And I mean, we're getting enough production from Michael Thomas. And in most of the cases where we've seen Michael Thomas gain some value in 2023, it was that little stretch when Jameis Winston comes in. So you have a different quarterback. And it's interesting when you get the different quarterback, if that second quarterback is vaguely competent to watch how often the target percentages and target preferences shift subtly and sometimes not very subtly. Right. But then you also have this game, as you mentioned, Olave being a little bit limited when you have a QB and, and we've always liked Derek Carr, but it has just become very clear how limited he is. Now, again, he's playing with a bit of an injury. He's playing against a New England team that stuffs the run well. And one of the things in this game is that you mentioned the total yardage. Obviously, you're not going to run well against the Patriots. That's really the only thing they do at this point is they stop you from running. And yet you still get 34 carries for Kamara and Kendra Miller together. The only reason that's not massively suboptimal is because you're winning the game so easily. <laughs> right. And you're just like, yeah, let's suck time out of this game. We get to the end. We try not to get people hurt. I am concerned about Olavi, though. As good as he has looked as a reality player, there now are some contextual things in there that are bad for him. But you go back to the Patriots, and it's just it's a huge problem when a guy like Kendrick Bourne, who has not been a coach's favorite with the Patriots, is so far and away your best receiver. How is an NFL quarterback going to have any chance of success in that environment? And you know, one of the things that happens, obviously, Bailey Zappi comes in and plays poorly as well. I do think that when you look at the ability of Mac Jones to read the defense and get rid of the ball quickly, that it's not that dissimilar to what we're seeing from Brock Purdy. So if someone who is a former NFL quarterback, even if he wasn't a particularly good one himself, and someone who works at evaluating quarterback tape is saying that Mac Jones would be similar to Brock Purdy. One of the things that you know you go back and, and look at there is that right up until they made a weird switch at the end and drafted a bust, and then backed into Brock Purdy. I mean, Mac Jones was the quarterback that the 49ers wanted to run this offense. And you certainly think that he would be successful in the same way that Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo are successful. The question is to what degree? And right now we're seeing a team with Brock Purdy that is successful to a degree that the Jimmy Garoppolo version was not. But part of that is that you have Christian McCaffrey, whereas those other guys didn't have that for meaningful stretches and i mean mccaffrey is just such a complete and total difference maker and it's been interesting to watch this team develop i don't think it's a huge surprise but it is you know certainly a sigh of relief type of moment for anybody who's drafting mccaffrey who has mccaffrey in dynasty because the early going for this team has demonstrated that it's going to be mccaffrey and then everything else off of that and so the person that you can probably count on week in and week out and Again, not that you're going to have zero down performances, but you're going to get the McCaffrey points, and then the receivers are going to sort of orbit that. So you have Brandon Ayuk, who's almost unstoppable. I mean, he's getting open deep in this game right from the start. The Dallas Cowboys basically can't even cover him. He was only four for 58, but he also did have a long reception that was called back on a penalty. Anybody who lost a very close game, obviously, ruse what happened there. But you get Debo with 55 yards on only the three targets. He's involved with five carries in this one. And George Kittle had been someone who had been a frustrating player. And yet when we talked about guys bouncing back, Darren Waller versus George Kittle, even though Waller had been more expensive in the last month in redraft, 
the huge difference here is simply that maybe they're both going to be tricky from a start set decision in pure redraft obviously in best ball the fact that george kittle has these games in him is huge and unless you have someone like a travis kelsey or arguably now maybe even a, a sam laporta everybody else at the tight end position is going to be these episodic blow-up games you've got to kind of take the zeros or the low scores with these huge scores that will do it for you as long as you have the overall team built around them and even in this game it's just the four targets that he gets the three touchdowns on i mean one of the things that you needed in this game if you were playing the 49ers skill position players is you needed dallas to come and show up at all because again, I mean, you get both sides basically pulling their players. You get Jordan Mason going 10-69 and a touchdown in this one. And the way that you get that is because Dallas was not competitive. And I'm certainly not saying that Dallas is a bad team. There are a lot of teams that are a lot worse. They do have a very good defense. I think that Mike McCarthy has strengths and weaknesses as a play caller. I think that Dak Prescott has strengths and weaknesses as a quarterback. I continue to be somewhat surprised by the enthusiasm for him in the dynasty and the fantasy communities because he really is very limited and even with cd lamb and tony pollard you're not getting the types of consistently elite performances that you would expect to get and you look at their schedule so far where they beat the giants 40 to 0 the giants are apocalyptically bad they beat the jets 30 to 10 in zach wilson's first start i mean zach wilson and the jets are bad enough on offense and certainly in that first game where i mean zach wilson fortunately has made a tiny little progression as we've gone through this month he's still poor but that progression has been meaningful in that game he was one of the worst quarterbacks ever those two games don't tell you that much then they more or less get not dominated but there was no way in which their loss to the cardinals was fluky they were outplayed in that game then you went 38 to 3 against the patriots which increasingly becomes something where it's just like with the new york giants that doesn't tell you anything about the dallas cowboys other than they're not a train wreck like those teams you come in here it's like what's wrong with the dallas cowboys they lose 42 to 10 in a game that's never competitive but it's like they are not in the same category as the san francisco 49ers this game never projected to be close you go and play at san francisco if you don't play a perfect game you're going to get annihilated and this offense that they've gone to where they're get rid getting rid of the ball quickly they're throwing underneath not only is it neutralizing the strengths that cd lamb could bring to the table but it brings the entire defense down on top of you and suddenly tony pollard doesn't have any room to run so the things that mike mccarthy said in the offseason about how he was going to help his defense how the offense was going to be more balanced all of those types of things are exactly the opposite direction of the way the nfl is evolving and it's certainly not news to anybody that that's the case many many people have been saying that throughout the entire offseason throughout the first month that was the concern with mike mccarthy taking over as the play caller but in the games against competitive teams to see it play out so definitive one of the things that's been disappointing it's easy for those of us who have a lot of cd land to be frustrated by the fact that they can't get him involved and it was really an embarrassing performance from that perspective with the Prescott to Liam. You can't go out in this Sunday night game and have a player like CeeDee Lamb and not get him involved. I mean, this was similar to watching the first month of the Bengals. Well, you can't have like, a game I don't even know like, if they know that they have that guy on their team. You, you can't have a I mean, game. Does CeeDee Lamb like need this. to go after the, after the game and be like, 
I'm open every play. <laughs> but you can't have CD Lamb in a game script like this and target him five times where he has four receptions for 49 yards. Like we talked, I don't know if it was off air or on air, and I was saying maybe this is like two or three weeks ago. I'm like, he needs to get at least 10 targets every single game, no matter what the game script. And you're in a situation like this where it's, you know, it's just not getting done. The other part of it is, you know, Robert Woods gets four targets, or uh, Branton Cook, sorry, gets four targets one reception for seven yards it, it just was a and maybe it was just they they got shellacked by the the 49ers we'll see next week but yeah not not a good showing here by the Colin. do they have do they have time to get targets to cd lamb if they're throwing up punts to brandon cooks and michael gallup i mean there's a difference so you're gonna throw a, like repeatedly throw four yard passes and then mix in some punt passes let's run a real offense well, maybe that's the main thing. Let's run a real offense. Moving on to the Chiefs and the Vikings. This one, Sean, got a little bit close at the end where it really feels like you know, the flag at the end where there's going to be a, a penalty basically at the goal line for the Vikings that may have extended this game to overtime. Uh, that doesn't happen. We get Travis Kelsey missing some time in this with an ankle injury. He does have 10 receptions, though, in this particular game, 67 yards and a touchdown. The touchdown coming after that ankle injury. The interesting part here, Sean, is with rishi rice and how he's getting acclimatized into this particular offense five targets for four receptions 33 yards does get in the end zone with a touchdown but he had just run 10 routes in this particular game so getting targeted a lot on the yards or targets per route run basis being pretty efficient with those looks like he should be moving in here to be the lead wide receiver in this offense but it is hugely spread around the 31 completions spread heavily throughout the entire roster nobody with more than five receptions outside of one travis kelsey who i mentioned already pacheco gets in the end zone again we do get a pretty banged up uh, tj hawkinson and justin jefferson in this performance and, and both of those kept very very quiet in this one the standout performer for the minnesota vikings being jordan addison he gets six for 64 and a touchdown sean kirk cousins put up numbers to start the season he continues to put up pretty know good fantasy numbers he has a wide open kj osborne in the end zone here for a touchdown that he fails to complete throws at about two yards behind him we've talked about this for a long time kirk cousins is okay but he is holding this team back in my opinion they are now one and four on the season they're in a pretty bad situation based on what we talked about already with the lions they really have no shot at trying to win this division what were some of your key takeaways for for either side you can i'm not going to line you up you can go which way you want on this game yeah this was sort of the nightmare performance for alexander madison managers where he gets the receiving touchdown that was a very well designed play and to have that flexibility from the big back is important so that's the thesis in terms of having him there but we saw in this game that he loses five of the 13 true running back touches the true carries here to cam Akers, and this is a team that's going to be trailing in a decent amount of games we watched them try and establish the run and blow a game i believe last week because of that in this game they come out and throw that part of it isn't extremely successful one of the things here is that even though you're at home the Kansas City Chiefs are not one of these big playmaking defenses necessarily, but they are tough to move the ball on consistently to have efficiency with. They slowed down 
the Vikings running game. Kirk Cousins, even though he doesn't make big mistakes in this one, he doesn't have a pick. Three sacks is, you know, not ideal, but it's not disastrous like we see from some of the young QBs, but only six yards per attempt when you have the players that he's working with. That part is tough. Now, Justin Jefferson, not really available for him in the key moments in this game. So that's going to slow you down. I, I think in a lot of ways, it's impressive that he holds them close with Kansas City when you consider some of the people they were missing. Jordan Addison has another little mini breakout. He's certainly looking like a guy who may not emerge as a star. Obviously, he's a, a smaller player and not incredibly fast. But in terms of a very viable, above average starting wide receiver, which as a number two, when you have Justin Jefferson and when you have you know, probably an elite tight end in TJ Hawkinson, this offense projects to still be very dynamic. Kirk Cousins projects to score a lot of points. They're one and four. They're in deep trouble. And yet if this Vikings team went on a run where, you know, they had a little more favorable luck like they did last year, obviously, and then you win some shootouts, I guess I wouldn't put the nail in their coffin by any stretch. They just have too much interesting talent there. The flip side of the ball, I mean, you look at the Kansas City Chiefs and I mean, Patrick Mahomes can't average seven yards per attempt against the Vikings. That part, a little bit rough. Obviously, he does what he needs to do. They move the ball consistently. You get, as you mentioned, that score from Isaiah Pacheco. He was not nearly as dynamic in this one, but does fine again from a fantasy perspective. This split for the receivers is absolutely infuriating because Rasheed Rice is so far and away their most dynamic receiver. Now, the question is, like how I mean, what's this balance between having your offense be complicated and difficult to stop and an offense where you can bring these guys in, incorporate them and play them? I mean, it's still a situation where Kadarius Tony doesn't play that much. Now, part of that's probably on him since he's only available for a handful of plays per game, that kind of thing. You know, they were making the excuse for Sky Moore. You know, it's gonna be a slow build. He obviously is doing nothing again in year two. But Colin Bjorn and Yang Barnett and I were having a conversation about this pregame whether or not we start rice or that last spot how are you going to address it we did the dynasty startup ffpc rv triflex right before the year began and that team despite punting year one is going to move to four and one and so again it's not that you're counting on that or guaranteeing that with some of the perpetual reloading moves right from the beginning but one of the things that we always mention is don't assume that you're going to lose and that team hasn't anyway in the battle to try and get to four and one we're trying to figure out the final start and we're discussing the fact that in week three and week four he runs 48 percent of the routes basically in each game and you know kind of trying to go through the nuance of it where week three maybe he plays a little bit more because of the blowout week four a more competitive game and he stays there and he's closer to the top guys but the problem in week four is that the players who actually ran a bunch of routes for the Chiefs, number one, none of them were very high. Travis Kelsey was way ahead of everybody else. But the guys who were ahead of him were like MVS and Justin Watson. You're thinking, well, that's, again, so weird. Because the people you would think you'd have to get in front of would be Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore. Now, they're not playing well. So that part of it may be, again, not a huge surprise. In this game, we get maybe the biggest catch of the game does come from Justin Watson, a 33-yard play where he goes over the back of the receiver. It was one of these kind of punt passes that we were just joking about with the Cowboys well that play looks a lot better when your receiver goes up and makes the reception as opposed to allowing a pick he makes that play he's athletic you can understand why he's in there it's harder to understand why MVS is in there two targets for one catch 12 yards but in this game 
every time, I mean, if you're hugely invested, as we are in both best ball and on these high stakes teams, the Chiefs will roll out. You'll look through the formation. And you're like, okay, I'm going to pick out Rasheed Rice. I'm going to watch how he runs his route, see if he seems like he's doing it correctly, see if he's kind of the first read of Patrick Mahomes. And they're like, okay, well, he's not in on this play. So then you do it again the next play, not in on this play. Next play, not in. Why, why is he not in the game? The funny thing, and yet the thing that's also like vaguely encouraging, we talked about in week three, he was tackled on the six-inch line on two different possessions. In this game, it seemed like most of his actual involvement was in the red zone. And so, I mean, if you're going to get a guy anywhere, you might as well have it down there. Either the play before or two plays before his touchdown, he was also the target, and he appeared to be uncertain for a split second, broke off, and then continued to run. The target goes to where he would have been if he had just continued running. That kind of freaks you out if the player isn't playing anyway because you're like well now he's going to get pulled and Patrick Mahomes isn't going to trust him if that's the read he's not going to throw it because this guy just did something that like that's the reason you're not in because you do things like that and you're not where the ball is then he scores and it looks really good it wasn't an easy play so you're like, okay well he's now overcome it and maybe like he'll be in on the subsequent drive you're like nope <laughs> it's back to the scrubs so huge positives a lot of concern and consternation about how the chiefs are deploying these pieces it's easy to say well they've made all these afc championship games they've won a couple of super bowls they have the best quarterback they have the best or you know one of the two or three best head coaches don't panic things are going to be fine and yet you look at their entire group of weapons and this is a game where travis kelsey has the 11 targets but i mean there's no explosiveness to how he's being used currently there's a little bit of a reason to panic, right? You look at what the Chiefs are, and then you contrast that with the Dolphins and the Bills and the 49ers and the Eagles, where especially the Dolphins, the Eagles, and the 49ers, how aggressively they've gone after weapons. And how, I mean, this is a game here with the Eagles where Devontae Smith basically doesn't do anything, and yet, like, where was the chance for him to do anything if A.J. Brown is going to destroy the defense at will if dallas goddard's going to have his breakout game and he, he's in a very similar situation there obviously to george kittle if deandre swift is running through the defense like it's not even there you're going to have some of those games the chiefs are not a team that has an embarrassment of weapons in any particular game you're like well do they have guys who can start do they have guys who can walk out on the field when you're starting teams with four pro bowlers like the other great teams and then the chiefs are starting travis kelsey and then guys they don't even want to put out there obviously i mean that is an issue i would also note that even though he had a bad drop justin ross a little bit more involved in this game if you had to drop him to pick up other people in dynasty but then a guy got hurt or a guy's going to be on the buy that you were only picked up because of last week's buys don't be afraid to pick him back up i don't think we've seen anything yet when it comes to justin ross so we'll see what happens with the Chiefs if they do settle on a, a wide receiver, um, you know, particularly Rasheed Rice and, and get him to be the wide receiver one. But it does feel like they're doing, you know, they're getting these wins, uh, a lot of it down to, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. But, you know, obviously then you have Andy Reid, one of the, the best coaches in the entire league. I uh, think they could do a little bit better with player recruitment, I think, moving forward to help out those guys on the field or maybe even getting the guys ready to play but we'll see what happens over the rest of the season that is going to do it for this week five reaction show monday night football coming up obviously packers and the raiders sounds like Devonte adams is going to be back for that one so he'll face off against his former team i'm hoping the packers can edge out a win on this one so go pack go but what's your prediction for tonight's game colin and what are you looking for would you like to see 
Devontae Adams shut down? Or would you like it be a situation where he goes for 150 and two, but Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs, maybe even Jaden Reed, maybe even Luke Musgrave, like definitively show that they're the future of the Green Bay Packers and you win 42, 24, you get the reunion, but you also make a statement. I don't think it's going to be 42, 24, Sean. I think it might be like a, a 27, 24 sort of a game. I think it'll be pretty close within a touchdown either way. And I would like to see, obviously, the Packers win. The one thing I would like to see for the Packers this week, you mentioned the two young wide receivers and the young tight end. I would like to see more completions rather than, you know, I'd like to see a higher completion percentage for Jordan Love, whether that is miscommunications, whether that's bad throws, whichever it tends to be. I would like to see a team performance where first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, fourth quarter, they're closer in the game are performing well, rather than what we've seen a lot of the time is multiple quarters of just terrible performance. And then like two quarters or one quarter where you're like, this is a lot of fun when this is happening. Can we do this for the whole game? So that's what I'm hoping you, you said about Devontae Adams, Sean, I, I, I don't care what Adams does as long as the Packers win. And I also do think that he likely has a pretty good game here as well. Um, because he is one of the best wide receivers of the the last 10 years so we'll see what happens um i I think it's part of it that he wants to be out there as well just for the you know to play his former team and and i mean that in a positive way not like in a holding a grudge way i think it it ended not on perfect terms but i think there's a huge amount of respect from both sides Colin, the team that we drafted with king cap is currently in fourth place despite cooper cup not playing for the first month despite christian watson more or less not playing for the first month pretty exciting to be in that position with those guys coming back you're already kind of thinking ahead to perhaps we can get this team through and we'll have guys on it that aren't heavily represented now i mean if cooper cup plays as well as he possibly can then he's certainly not going to have a zero advance rate because you can pull those teams back quickly is Christian Watson going to be a guy who starts doing for that team what we need to jump from four to two or one? Is he going to be a guy who starts putting up 120 and one performances? Or, I mean, is there some concern that there's a Kadarius Tony element here? Not maybe that, I mean, there seem like there are some personality things with Tony that previous coaching staffs have soured on beyond just the lack of availability, but I mean, right now, Christian Watson, if you're a Packers fan, you really want him to to be healthy a little bit. It's it's getting a little scary in terms of not being able to have you know, some of those soft tissues work. Do you think tonight is a night where he can kind of put a stamp on the game? You're setting me up here to be very negative about the team. No, no, you're still to come out and say, yeah, he's going to blow up. I think there's a chance that he does. I, th- what I, I do think it's a 1A and a 1B. I don't think there's a wide receiver 1 and a wide receiver 2 with him and Dobbs. And at the moment, I think that the team probably trusts Dobbs more than they trust him, both for availability and for consistency. And I think the high-end upside is still with Watson, but the most consistent producer is going to be with Dobbs. So I, I think both of those guys are capable on a weekly basis of, you know, let, let's look at it maybe a little bit like what we're seeing with... Um, the Jaguars and although it's not amazing we're seeing Ridley and um Kirk put up very you know decent fantasy numbers with the possibility of having bigger weeks I I think you know a lot of their games I think are going to be in that 
I would say 14 to 26. This is a wide range of outcomes on 14 to 26 points, and I think it'll alternate on various weeks. I think they're very usable, but there will be inconsistencies, and you would expect that too with second-year players. Well, I'm excited for the game tonight. Big game, as you mentioned, for the Packers. If the Raiders are going to take a little step at some point, they need to get going. So looking forward to that. Good luck to all of the listeners. If you need points in that game to get you over the hump in week five, good luck tonight. We're rooting for you. Call them. This was the best week yet. Our team didn't win, but a lot of teams. Over Imagine how good of a week it would have been if uh, our team also won. Pretty good week, though, even without that. So hopefully it's been a good week for people listening in. If you want to sign up over at rotaviz.com, you can use that promo code RVRADIO2023 to get yourself a 10% discount of a Rotoviz NFL pass, get you access to all of the tools and content up on the website. Good luck, as Sean mentioned, in Monday Night Football. If you do need that, we will be back with our Wednesday edition of the show, so make sure you are subscribed to the Rotoviz Overtime podcast feed. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Over to Marlin. My co-host is Sean Siegel. Check out all of Sean's work up on rotaviz.com. And until we are back, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotaviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotaviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotavizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotaviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotaviz with a discount through the Rotaviz Radio homepage, rotaviz.com forward slash podcast.